Hi, and welcome to The Abnormal Christian. I'm your host, Brad Mason. I'm here today with my wife, Natasha Mason. Maybe we'll try and get her to speak more in this episode. Of course, it's my—it's not her fault. I think I'm a bit long-winded sometimes. Um, and I come from a long generation, a long family of long-winded men. So that would be my fault. Um, I'm a good listener. You are a very good listener. I tend to need her. Uh, it helps me uh, talk to someone. It gives me uh, someone to bounce the ideas off of. So it's nice to always have her on the show, and I'm glad Aww. to have her here. So uh, we're here with you on episode four. We're just doing a little bit of a continuation of episode three. Um, episode three, we really delved into uh, the nature of sin. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's not a, uh, a theological, uh, man, it's not a thesis on uh, the origins and the nature of sin and uh, all of the negative effects that sin has Um, but it's just it was kind of an overview of how we're going to uh, how we live our lives in sin and then we are convicted of that and we come to the cross um, uh, to the foot of God really um, really saying we uh, recognize and we accept his ultimate authority we accept and we uh, recognize his sacrifice and that we are willing to approach him through his son um, that he had intended to redeem us. So uh, really, I think when we um, we look at the world, let's uh, first off, I mean, I'll just talk a little bit about the world and sin. Um, if we look at the world around us, I think it becomes quite apparent that uh, the world itself thrives off of sin. Um, oh, yeah, it's like a car crash. Everybody wants to look at it and right. watch it and not, not turn away from it. And I think, you know, uh, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy because there's there's millions of uh, conspiracy theories out there for every different thing under the sun you can think of. Um, Everybody's got these ideas. But I do think that there are two um, there are two things that are fighting in this life. There's there's uh, the Bible calls it a spiritual warfare. It talks about know you not that you wrestle not against flesh and blood because that's not who our fight is with. It's not against other people around us. Um, we might disagree with. It's not against the world. It's not you know. Uh, it always it always makes me uh, chuckle a little bit when I see Christians get upset because of something that somebody said. Um, oh, they said that about Christians. I can't. I'm not going to watch their show anymore. I'm not going to listen to their radio station. And I'm thinking. This isn't even our world. We don't. This is not our home. We're just temporarily going through here. Let's not get bent out of shape because somebody doesn't like you. And and that to me, you know, I think the measure of of whether you're an effective Christian or not, a lot of it stems from do people like you? Because I think once you start telling the truth and you start preaching the gospel and you you let people know uh, what it is, you make them uncomfortable. Yeah, they don't. Nobody wants to be around that. Hey, man, don't don't hang out with that person. My daughter was telling. Uh, she told me a story uh, maybe a week or so ago about some kids at school um and she decided that she couldn't be friends with them anymore and i said why couldn't you be friends with them and she said because um they asked me to stop talking about religion and the bible and stuff and and i just realized maybe i shouldn't have them as my friends and i said hey you know it's not that we can't be nice to them it's not that we can't show them love but that's that's a for a 12 year old that's a wise decision to make you know and i think that's on parenting i really hope that's (laughs) i hope that has something to do with how we're telling you know we're teaching them um because we should surround ourselves with people who want to serve the Lord um, at their utmost core. And we should really kind of separate ourselves from those who have no interest in it. And that's a tough thing to do. I mean, we live in this world, and um, 
we work jobs where people around us are lost. I mean, you know, I literally sometimes sit around at work and uh, ask questions to myself. Is that do I think that person is saved? Do I not? You know, you can call that judging, whatever you want to call it. But really, I mean, I think that's where we're at. We have to make that decision in our head is do my children know God? Do, does my family know God? Does uh, my coworkers know him? And, you know, if it if it's a name by name basis, you know, we need to be able to look and say, wow, that. I really feel for that person. You know, I know there's people in my life that I could I could name uh, probably a, a hundred names today of people I know um, that if they died, they're probably not going to make it into heaven. I just and it's it's only because of the Bible talks about how the world knows us. It says we love one another, and they can see the fruits that the Spirit bears in our lives. And so there's a visible um, example of the cross upon us, a visible example of Christ inside of us, living his life through us, um, that other people are supposed to be able to visibly measure. You know, everybody wants to talk about, I think last episode we talked about the whole judge not, lest you be judged bunch. They're the ones who cling to one scripture. Um, and uh, you know, my thing is you would always much rather be judged by humans. I'd rather be judged by people around me than to have to wait until the day that I stand before God to have him tell me I did something wrong. So it's kind of foolishness to say, oh, it says judge not, lest you. It says a lot of other stuff, too, besides that. Um, but I think when we look at other people around us, you know, sometimes uh, as a Christian, it, it behooves us to look and say, wow, you know, I wonder if that person has heard about the Lord. I wonder if that person knows uh, for sure that they're a part of the family of God. You know, I mean, those are conversations that I think we should have and questions we should have. I think it's hard for us sometimes to, well, the way you and I were raised, going to church three times a week and at church every time the doors were open and it just having surrounded us from the day we were born that there's people out there that have never heard that like it's it's hard for me to understand that sometimes so when you see people what you would consider not great people maybe they don't know any better they don't haven't been told or haven't experienced the Right. Jesus and what he can do. For and that's you. absolutely and that is the absolute purpose of the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Christ crucified and resurrected. That is the purpose of the gospel. And what is the purpose? Who is the gospel good for? I think when Jesus came he said that the physicians don't need a healer. They can heal themselves, right? It is the poor, it is the 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 widows, it is the hunger, it's the starving, it's the the people who are damaged and injured and the people in the the highways and the byways, it's the people who have been cast aside by society. Those are the people that you're to take the gospel to because without a, the, the scripture says without someone to preach at them, how will they know? How will they hear without a preacher? Except there's a preacher. Without somebody bringing them the word of God, how do people around us know? And, and you're right. We do. Grew, we grew up in that. We grew up in the church scene. Uh, we grew up hearing about Jesus. We went to Christian schools. I mean, so we we were uh, surrounded by this this uh, idea that God loves us and God cares about us. Um, but I think uh, when we get out into the world, we really, you know, to your point, we have to ask ourselves, I wonder if that person's ever heard. I wonder if that person knows. We never knew a life without him. No, we never knew a life separated from him. Um a life that was had a presence, had a godly presence in it doesn't mean we were always with God um, until we gave our lives to him, but it means he was always around us. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for, uh, I think Jesus had said uh, for, uh, I have to look the verse up, but he said something along the lines of, uh, today salvation is entered into your home, right? 
Um, doesn't mean he, the one guy believes so the whole house got saved. It just means that he had came to their house, that salvation had entered into this house. And now there's is this, uh, I believe that there's a spiritual covering that goes with somebody being in a family. If you're a wife or a husband and you're a born-again believer and your other half is not, um, I still believe that God, there's a covering over your home because of you. There's a covering. There's a uh, that other person is reaping the benefits of you believing. So that's you know it's always an encouragement for people who are in those situations where they say, "Wow, you know, uh, now I'm unequally yoked. I came to know the Lord. My spouse doesn't know the Lord. Should we split up? Should we separate? Should we? No, no, definitely not. You stay in that, and you you have God in you, and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and He is giving, He's imparting His wisdom to you, and um, He's making you new, and He's molding and changing you, and you let that be the cat list and you let that be the reflection and the life for the other person so that their life may be affected by you and so we do the same thing i think when we go into the workplace or we go into schools or wherever it is we're at even in the grocery store we should reflect christ in every mannerism that we have and that's tough because you know we we're fighting this body that has sin in it we're fighting something that is sinful by nature, um, and so there's that that uh, two sides pulling at each other, as Paul talked about. You know, he said, "The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I shouldn't do, those are the things I'm doing." And I don't know what you know. It, and Paul was a uh, was a rabbi, and Paul was uh, he was a chief Pharisee, I believe it was. Um, he was uh, he knew the law, he knew the Torah of God, he knew all the rules, he knew everything and all the regulations. Every you know, he was well versed in theology if you were to put it that way um and to think that he would sit there and say there's this <clears throat> there's this battle these two things pulling inside of me and one wants to do right and the other wants to do wrong and i have to constantly you know it's a constant battle there <coughs> um yeah so i did that too <clears throat> Uh, he's saying that there's a constant battle there and that he wants to uh, he would like to get rid of the side and, and get rid of the things that he doesn't want to be anymore and so um, that is the and sadly that is the uh, that is the result of sin we have to live with it it's in our lives it's going to be in in this flesh in this body um, I had someone one time we were I was talking to him about God um, and he got kind of upset and he said um, my daughter has um, spina bifida um, she's got this problem. Uh, if God loves everybody so much, why did he give my kid that? Right. He was no, he wasn't a believer. Um, and he's, he was just angry. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear that God loves everybody. I hear that God cares. Why did he let my daughter have that? You know? And so he had this real bitter angry, um, to him because of that. And you know, the, the best answer I have and the best answer I give for everybody, why do shootings happen? Why do these school shootings continue to happen? And why do uh, mass murder happen? And why do, uh, I mean, just every type suffering. of, yes, every type of corruption and suffering you can think of. Why do those things happen? Um, why does God let that happen? That's always one of the huge points when something bad happens in this world. Somebody's always shaking their fist at God saying, why did you let this happen? And the simple fact of the matter is, is that it, it, God, it happens because of sin. It happens because the sin is in us. It's not his fault that we go out and do bad things. Uh, if God came down today, he already did once, but if he came down today and he smacked you in the face every time you did something wrong, let's just use this analogy. God comes down out of heaven. Jesus comes back. He walks around with you. And every time you do something wrong, he slaps you in the face and tells you no. After about the hundredth time of him doing that, do you think you would get tired of it? Yes. What would people say? Stop telling me what to do. 
That's the and this is the this is the crux of the argument. Why didn't God stop that from happening? How come he let bad things happen? You know, if God came down and slapped you in the face every time something bad happened and said stop doing it, you would eventually get to the point to where you'd say, Leave me alone. I don't want to get slapped anymore. And so we live in the world that wants both sides of the cake. They want God to, well, let me do whatever I want to do and let me live the corrupt life that I have. But, but don't, I don't want any repercussions Right. That. Don't come down here telling me I'm going to go to hell for it. Don't come down here telling me it's sin to do it. That's I don't want to hear that. You go after the people who are really bad and stop the rapists and the murderers and the abductors and whatever it is. You stop them. Don't worry about me and my problems and my little issues and what I do at home and what nobody sees. And um, so there's that, you know, there's that. But that's all related to sin because sin says, um, hey, you can have some fun right now. It doesn't ever count the consequence. It doesn't ever count the cost. Sin will lie to you. Um, temptation will tell you that it's going to feel good now. You won't have to pay for it later. Um, and all those things are against the scripture. All of that is against the word of God. Sin is corrupting. It, it destroys who we are. It destroys the fabric of life. Um, this world revolves. Everything is dying and decaying. The animals, the plants, the universe, the people, everything is dying because of sin. That is the promise of sinning. And that was, uh, that was laid out pretty early in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve is that, you know, and I don't think they truly understood how much they wrecked all of life when they decided that you know hey i'm hungry i'm, I'm sure well i'm hungry you hungry <laughs> let's let's and i'm sure it's a little bit more it's a little bit deeper than that but so sin we're going to look at a couple of verses i'll just read a couple of verses real quick on sin um just so we can talk a little bit more about about the christians so we in the last episode we talked about coming to the cross um giving up our lives uh for the gospel uh laying our lives down at the feet of god and saying here it is through your son through uh yeshua i have been freed i'm born again and so romans 6 7 says for he that is dead is free from sin um and i think that is uh, that has two meanings to it if you if you get down to it he that is dead is free from sin and i think we understand the physical side of that we carry sin in this body until we're physically dead and once we are physically dead hallelujah we are free from sin can't wait for the day i told a gentleman yesterday i can't wait for the day that i no longer have to fight with the sin that is inside of me um a quick side note for people if you're if you're listening to this and you're not a christian do not ever think that christians got saved and can now walk around freely in sin that is one of the biggest lies and misconceptions about christians you'll hear it all the time i hear it so much and it's ridiculous um, because what happens is it's like wearing a pair of sunglasses right and the sun is blazing bright and you've got these black pair of sunglasses on you can't see it at all and you take them off and when you take them off you are just blinded it's like going to the movie theater watching a movie coming out and you know how the light gets in your eyes and it's just man it's bright outside this really hurts um that is what the holy spirit is to sin in our lives um before our eyes were covered with sin and we couldn't see uh what was going on in our lives and we were giving in to all of the deceptions and the corruption that was there and now the holy spirit dwells in us and we are walking out into this light and it is absolutely blinding so christians for the most part most christians i know uh, that are alive and walking around today hate the very fact that they sin, that it dwells in them. Can't stand it. I look back at my life and I think about all the things I know God has forgiven me for and all the things that I've laid down and, and, and begged for his forgiveness. And I know that he's forgiven me, but I don't forget them. And it eats at me and it will eat at me and it'll eat at you if you let it sit there in your mind and fester. Well, you wonder how God can forgive it. Absolutely. Because we as humans. Like, I can't forgive it. 
how can God forgive it? Right. And so we, we look at it and we beat ourselves up with, with our past actions and the past deeds. And, um, and But as a Christian, I think the world a lot of times is easy to let those things go because that's their nature. It's the nature of sin. As well, yeah, that's what I do. I go out and I do this on the weekend and I've done it every weekend. It's no big deal. Um, or I want to live a certain way. It's my lifestyle. Nobody has a right to tell me. Nobody has a right to say anything. Um, but the Christian is the opposite of that. The born-again believer is the opposite of that. We look at that and say, man, I used to do that. I do not ever want to go back to that. I hate the very fact that I even did that. That was so wrong, and I don't want to go back to that, and I'll never be that person again. And so we live with those thoughts in our minds. We know we're regenerated and we're new. Um, but that's why people want to say, hey, you, you think you got a, 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 a go, pass-go ticket or whatever, you know, go – you get a get out of jail free card. You're gonna you're a Christian. You're gonna go out there and sin, and you just think you're gonna go to heaven. That is not how it works. It just doesn't work like that. Um, when when I sin, it's it's blatantly in my face that I know I did something wrong, and I'm just you know. So I do my best to avoid it because I don't want to sin. That's not the nature of who I want to be. It's not the nature of who is living inside of me. That you know, hey, uh, that that's the world to me. I look at them in two different lights. What used to be me, what used to be is the world, and what I have now is the kingdom it's the it's the kingdom and the family and the glory of god that's where i want to live um and so you know i think those are two huge different things when you think about he that is dead is free from sin um so in this in the spiritual sense when we come to the cross we crucify this flesh the the scripture talks about um that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit and uh so we have to be born we're born again into the spirit of god and the flesh this part of us is crucified with christ it's not i that live but christ within me so we uh, the scripture talks about mortifying we have to mortify the flesh daily right we have to take up our cross daily and follow after him and we have to mortify the flesh daily why do we have to mortify the flesh daily because uh, there was a, a band way back in the 90s. Um, they had a song called Some Kind of Zombie. And it was all about this zombie, right, that, you know, I, we're different. We're walking dead is really what we are. I'm not trying to steal off the TV show, but right. we are the zombies. We're, we're the walking dead because we have crucified this flesh, this man, this old man that I was is now dead in Christ, and he's dead to sin, and he's alive unto God. Through Jesus, he's alive unto glory. So I'm supposed to be walking in this newness of life, and the old man is supposed to stay behind me. But the problem is, is that old man rears his head up. And so the scripture talks about mortifying that flesh daily because it takes almost a daily persistence to remind myself that I am no longer that. I am this. Um, and I think where we fail as Christians is, and this is where I think a lot of uh, Christians fail and pastors fail, is that when we get to the point to where we become so comfortable um, not mortifying that flesh, not reminding ourselves that, that we're supposed to be dead, we start allowing the sin of uh, importance, the sin of uh, you know greed, or the sin of um, the physical uh, feelings and emotions. We let those things come back up. We let that old man rise back up. Until now, we're trying to live that life that is balanced between the cross and the grave. We're, we've got these two different things here. And the Bible tells us that you can't serve two masters. This is not a possibility. It's not something you can do. You can't walk that line of pleasing the world and pleasing God at the same time. One of them eventually collapses. You either, uh, you know, you, you do something so horrific and so bad that you lose your position in your church and with your family and with your friends, and you've allowed yourself to give into your whatever it is. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I know people who've uh, embezzled money. I know people who've committed adultery. I know people who've um, started all kinds of weird cults and people who've slept with 
discipled so-and-so and done this and that. And these are all leaders in positions of churches and congregations, and I know these people, and, and they were great, and they had no they had no issues, but there was a day that they stopped mortifying the flesh, and they stopped putting the flesh down, and they started giving in to the, uh, the thoughts of the people around them, that I am somebody, that I am important, that what I say really matters, um, until they got to the point to where they got the feeling of, I must be right with God, I can't do any wrong, boom, it's all gone like that. And uh, so the scripture talks about that, that we have to mortify this flesh daily. And we have to take up the cross. Why do we take up the cross with us daily? Um, because that is something that is heavy. It's something that is, uh, it's there to remind us of where we have been, right? As, as a, an abnormal Christian, when we go out into the world and we're talking to people, we should be looking at from the, the world from the perspective of that's where I was. This is where I am. That's who I used to be. This is who I am now. That person is what I used to be, and I need to talk to that person and witness to that person and minister to that person and feed that person um, because there's so much more. Once you're on this side of it, it's like you always hear about the grass is greener on the other side. That's what they say about all kinds of stuff. Um, if your situation's bad, your marriage is rough, oh, well, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know, Go find yourself somebody or whatever it is. People always tell you the grass is greener on the other side. This is the only instance and the only case that I can almost 100% guarantee you that. The grass is greener on the other side with Christ. You're you're walking away from a dead valley. You're walking away from a dead desert where there's no life, and you're coming into this new life with Christ. And when you look back across that fence and you see where you used to be, you don't want to go back there. You never want to return to that. You want to stay on this side and say, you know, there's life here. There's, there's a river that flows uh, from the, the throne of God. There's this joy that is welling up inside of us. There is this peace and this mercy and this compassion that comes from the Father. And there's life. There's so much life here on this side. And when, you, when we look at that and we look at the world, this is why we don't fit in the world. This is why we have no place in the world is because we are walking in a desert. We're walking in a, a, a barren landscape where the people are fighting themselves and they are, you know, the scripture describes hell. It says there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is where the, uh, the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. And uh, you hear a lot of people use the phrase, well, this is hell on earth. What I'm going through is hell. And honestly, it really is almost a physical reflection of what that's going to be like. Because we're living in, a, right now we're living in a desert where people are, they're fighting each other for every last cent they can get. And the world is corrupting the people around us. And, and it is so, it could seem so overwhelming. But just like, uh, just as the scripture says, um, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So while we're in this world, and it's not this is it's not our life. The world is not our life. It should never be our life. Uh, our churches and our congregations and our thoughts and our actions should never be modeled after the world. It should never. We should never get our ideas from the world. We shouldn't say, "Ooh, that was a great idea. Let's bring it over here and use it." We're, we shouldn't do that. We should be setting a standard for ourselves and setting ourselves apart from them and saying, we're going to be doing something new. We're going to be walking a certain way, and we're going to be shining the light of God into this world, and we're going to use this method that God has brought to us and that we've used. Um, but so far, you know, I think that's where we're at. We're, we're right now in the, the generation that we live in. People are we're fence riding. People are too busy right now trying to ride that fence. They want to. They're going to use every word. Um, we're going to use every uh, adjective and noun and pronoun. We're going to use the English language to entice people to come to our congregations to try and draw them in. We're going to be fierce. We're going to be. Uh, you know. We're going to be we're elevated. Gonna be we're going to be 
and I'm not trying to pick. I'm not. I'm definitely. I'm not trying to pick at people. I'm not trying to say that um, it doesn't matter. But we're trying to be too relevant. We're trying to be relevant with our words, and we're we've got hope beyond hope beyond hope beyond hope. And we don't, you know, I don't think we tell them enough what our hope is. I'm not saying those things are bad to say and bad bad words to use. Um, I think just like the, uh, I think the Christian industry as a whole um, tends to play off of the believers, right? Everybody remember the prayer of Jabez, uh, prayer of Jabez and the um, purpose-driven life. Those are two great examples of where they had necklaces and they had keychains and they had door hangers and they had books and they had music and they... It is they are they were making a, a market out of Christianity and they were selling it to us and the church people are eating it up and we're oh I'm gonna yeah Lord I'm gonna use this prayer of Jabez and enlarge my tents and and you know and all these things and then people are sitting there going I don't understand this is not working uh, it's almost like we got a lucky rabbit's foot and we were rubbing it waiting on stuff to happen and um, because they're using the world the, they're using the world to to draw us and they're using the world to lead us they're using all these tools and all these things and all these catchphrases to try and uh, to keep us entertained you know and that's not what we need we're not we're definitely don't need to be entertained any more than we already are uh the church culture is is so overly entertained it's ridiculous and i'm part of that problem i'm sure um but when it comes down to sin we're supposed to be setting this divider between us and the world that we're not going to have it we're not going to be a part of that we're not going to use your ways and we don't want anything to do with that we'll live in this world and we will witness to these people i'll work with them every day side by side but when it comes down to it who is the family of god it's our job to tell them to bring them in we're supposed to have that if you you go back to the temple ceremonies where the high priest went into the holy holies there was a veil that hung there it separated the holy spirit of god that dwelled in the holy holies from the people on the outside there was a separation between what is holy and what is not holy and only holy things went in there you didn't go in there if you were not clean. You did not go in there if you didn't if you had sin in your life. You did not go in there if you were not the priest. That was not your job and your function. And if you did go in there, you were dead. That was just how it was going to be. You were going to wind up dead. Um, they they used to tie a rope around the priest's foot, and they would have bells on their clothes. And if the the ringing of the bell stopped, they knew he's probably dead. We better pull him out. I mean, that's just how the the presence of God was. And so this and this is the trivialization of the world we live in. We take the presence of God. We put it inside of us. We believe in him. He dwells in us. And now he's living and dwelling in us. But we are not holy enough to separate ourselves from the world. That is a problem because we're saying, I want the righteousness of God. I want the fire of God. I want I want to be sin free. I don't want to live a, a, a godless lifestyle. I don't want to be in the scriptures of the word heathen. Right. I don't want to rage like the heathens do. I don't want any of that, but I can't separate myself from the world. And so we sit there and we say, well, what does that even mean? What does separation from the world mean? I think in the last episode, if you go back and listen to the last podcast, we defined kind of what sin was. Sin is breaking of the law of God. Sin is disobeying the Torah of God. Um, now, we know through Christ that it was so much more than just murder. It's not, you know, he says, well, the, the law says murder. And I say that if you have hate in your heart towards somebody, you just as well as committed murder. So we know it's beyond that, right? So it's a little bit more than that. So now we have to look at the 
situations we find ourselves in, the times and the way we do things, um, the places that we are going, the people that we are listening to, the music that we're listening to, the shows that we are watching, whether it's TV or Netflix. And you can people could say, oh, you're being legalistic. And I'm saying, no, I'm being a separatist here. This is where I'm saying if we want sin not to reign in our lives and holiness to reign in our lives, there has to be a time when I say, I'm not watching that. I'm, I'm definitely not allowing that into my head. I'm not allowing that into my life. And I will turn that off and I'll walk away and i'm not going to lose anything by it um a long time ago i think in my early 20s i went to see a movie one time and uh, there was nothing playing and um i was like you know uh, i didn't know what to watch so was, i went and saw this movie and in the first five minutes of it they were just it was just uh i think it was robert de niro and billy crystal if i remember right i uh, hope to hear this podcast so in the first five minutes of it he's talking about cheating on his wife and he's talking about his uh, genitalia and he's talking about all these different things and i'm just like sick on my stomach because this is not i knew this is not what i'm going to listen to i should not be here stood up turned around and walked out lost seven bucks does that matter absolutely not did i do the right thing i think so and a lot of people would say, oh, you're just being too. No, absolutely. There has to be division. That's the way sin works. If the old man is buried and dead and we're supposed to mortify him every single day, we're to mortify that flesh and we're to remind him of where he's at. We cannot go walking over into his playground and think we're going to be okay. We can't walk over into that sinful nature and say, I'm going to hang out here for a while and I should be all right. I can tolerate this. I, that's one of the biggest lies I think we, we hear every day as Christians, as grown adults, uh, is that we think, oh, I can tolerate that. I can handle that. That's not going to hurt me. That's not going to have an effect on me. I don't, you know, I, it's, I'm not really listening to it. Um, I hear the just I hear the beats. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just – and then next thing you know, you find yourself singing along with something that you didn't even realize you knew because it subconsciously got in there and you – you know, or you're, you're, you're around somebody who's using language that is enough to embarrass the, everybody. I mean, it's just embarrassing. And the first thing out of your mouth when you get upset is something that you would never thought you would have said. I mean, it's just we, we put ourselves in those positions to where we're, we're not keeping that old dead man down and we're letting sin creep into our lives because it's what we're comfortable with, what we've known. But we 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 don't belong in this world. We don't. This is not our home. It's 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 a um, it's it's like going and living in somebody else's house. You know, if I just walked into my neighbor's house who I don't know very well, and I sat on her couch and watched TV, she'd be like, "What are you doing? You know, what are you even doing here? You, this is not where you live." Oh, I'm going to take a nap on your floor. No, no, you're not. I'm going to call the police. You're getting out of here. That's how our reaction should be to the world. If something walks into our life that is not of Christ and it is not of life, we should say, what are you doing here? This isn't where you belong. You need to get out of here. This is not, you know. Um, so that in, in, from the Christianity side, from the abnormal perspective, I think that's where I'm trying to get at um, with this podcast a little bit is that there has to be an expectation that we set for ourselves that if we're going to follow Christ and we're going to follow the word of God, that we're going to do our very best. We're going to let him live through us, right? It's not going to be, uh, can't be me always trying. Um, righteousness is by nothing that I do. It's all by the, by the works of the cross and through Jesus alone. Um, so I have to let him have his, his right to work in me. But at the same time, I cannot play in the sandbox of sin because that's when it, it gets in my shoes and um, it just really makes a mess of my life so uh, that is episode four and uh, hopefully we'll get into a little bit more uh, 
uh, maybe maybe talk a little more about sin in the next one. Um, I really want to get into looking at forgiveness because I think that's a real big need uh, from folks in the church. That's a big need in my own life, and I know that is very important to me. Uh, so I want to thank you for listening, and I appreciate it. And we, if you got any comments or ideas, uh, leave some uh, feedback on Facebook. We're always glad to hear it, and uh, have a good day. Bye.